Alright! Welcome to Discussions of Truth. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Let me give you, starting this out, a little bit of insight into Dr. Anthony Sutton, and he's a former Stanford Hoover fellow that basically traces back much of financial investments in World War II to something called Hegelian dialectic. What is evident is that there are differences in socioeconomic eyes, the seat in the Oval Office today. You can equate that to an 80s sitcom called Silver Spoon, if you like. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. But to go a little bit deeper, deeper, we can go to a recent Brad Pitt produced, co-produced film with Christian Bale and Amy Adams called Vice. You look at that film and you can walk away asking, hey, is that building? Building up the career of one Dick Cheney who served his government loyal for decades and his country loyally for decades. A Yale dropout. But he was pushing the agenda of freedom and liberty for all. For all. For you, for me. Or can you look at that show and production and say, no, wait a second. It's being highly critical of the career of Dick Cheney. Let's listen to this clip. Foreign Relations provides a window to the real story. The speaker, Vice President Dick Cheney, takes a question from David Rockefeller. Vice President, uh, I just enjoyed so much your whole speech, but I was particularly pleased that you gave such a strong endorsement for the free trade agreement for all the Americans. Subject that has been of great concern to me for many years, and particularly recently, and I think it's absolutely essential for the strength of our economy. Rockefeller's role in the drive for an FTAA was a lot more central than he portrays. Rockefeller cultivated Latin American leaders who could be counted on to support such a proposal. Both the 1994 Miami summit and the FTAA proposal were conceived and nurtured by a Rockefeller-created network. Prominent among the organizations sponsoring the Miami event were the Council of the Americas, founder and honorary chairman, David Rockefeller, the Americas Society, chairman, David Rockefeller, the Forum of the Americas, founder, David Rockefeller, the Institute for International Economics, financial backer and board member, David Rockefeller, the Trilateral Commission, founder and honorary chairman, David Rockefeller, Rockefeller's influence also extends to the current administration. He was Chairman Emeritus of the CFR when Vice President Dick Cheney once served as a director, a relationship that Cheney concealed during his congressional career. It's good to be back at the Council on Foreign Relations. As uh, Pete mentioned, I've been a member for a long time and was actually a director for some period of time. I never mentioned that when I was campaigning for re-election back home in Wyoming. <laughs> So what did he just say there? He just basically said that his affiliation to the CFR had been hidden from the people of Wyoming who he served. Now, that speaks to me in a way it may not speak to you because I have family roots dating back to Wyoming in the 1860s. In fact, offspring of that root 
my great uncle, was a highway patrolman, the head of the highway patrol, in fact, in Wyoming. And he served as a U.S. Marshal and later two-term senator for the state. The question would be, Dick, why would you withhold your affiliation to the CFR? And in fact, having served as its president, best of my knowledge, from the people that helped put you in power on a federal level, that'd be the people of Wyoming. Just my question. So where does that lead back? And we heard in that presentation the Rockefeller Association, and of course I broadcast out of Miami, it just so happens that in 1972, Dr. Sutton, again a Stanford Hoover fellow, gave a speech in 1972 on Miami Beach at a Republican convention. I don't know his party affiliation. Don't care, as a matter of fact. And as he returned to Palo Alto, he was reprimanded for the information he had given out. Again, in a nutshell, basically equating various moves, i.e., Prescott Bush being head of the Union Bank, financing part of the Nazi regime, and then also, for instance, Ford selling vehicles to an adversary, financing both parts. And that comes into fruition again in something called the Hegelian dialectic, which means if you fund both sides of a conflict, you dominate the nature of the outcome. Regardless of the outcome, you dominate it because you're funding both sides of the conflict. So with Dick Cheney and the connection to Dr. Sutton, Sutton does extensive research on, again, various socioeconomic differences in society and one going right back to Yale University. And you may call the term conspiracy theory all you want, but fact is fact. And if you haven't listened to the episode with Charlotte Eiserbitt, who served under Ronald Reagan and was fired for her opposition to a program called Best under Reagan, her father was, and grandfather, were both members of this same society that Sutton does extensive research at. And again, he's serving as a fellow at Stanford University. Most people know it as skull and bones. Conspiracy, perhaps. But it has ties to, of course, the Bushes have ties to it, and members of the Rockefellers have ties to it. The Harrimans and other very influential people throughout the history of the power of Washington. What I hope to play, if I get around to it, at the end of this episode, and by the way, this is episode number 100 out of Winwood Radio. I've been doing this, dedicating my time to express and convey my research to you. At my cost... I host, I produce, and the program has received some incredible guests. Episode number 100, this is. And it all started because, bringing up again the Rockefeller Foundation, I found a link to a virus that came ashore in Miami a couple years ago called the Zika virus and the pesticide used to combat it called Nailid. And interests, majority interests, being the Rockefellers on both of those. Yes, the virus and the pesticide to treat the virus. And I was then invited to speak about this topic on Winwood Radio. Episode number 100, it's now been two years that I've been doing this. So, the CFR. The Council of Foreign Relations. My guess is you probably never heard of it. And a spinoff led by the Rockefeller, David Rockefeller. And let, let's please understand the United Nations. And again, I have nothing against world peace. And however that's obtained, fine. If it's a democratic way. But when manipulative push comes to shove to... 
strengthen the interests of a certain socioeconomic class or group within various class or classes. That's where it becomes anti-democratic, in my opinion. And that's why on my program, I take no sides politically. Certainly, I have my own morals and I have my own values. You have yours. But I don't think, as a republic, that we should be putting emphasis on any candidate's association or affiliation to their political party. The super PACs are ruining the system that the Constitution has created for us. And another issue in that movie is that McKay, I believe, is the name of the writer, puts emphasis on the fact of Cheney's head legal counsel finding a loophole. I believe it was in the Second Amendment. Don't mark me on that. But we know that as an executive order. Anyway, Halliburton, was it Halliburton? Uh, Yes, Halliburton stock. Cheney was a former uh, head of Halliburton. It rose 500% during Cheney's time as VP. As an American, these are things that you need to look into. And members of the CFR have been fed like a spoon from this Skull and Bones Society at Yale. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing a finger specifically at that society, but certainly Charlotte Eisebite, Eisebite has and Dr. Sutton has. And I urge you to look into the association, if nothing more than the question, hey, Dick, why? Why did you conceal your association to that council? Why? From your people in Wyoming. It just that's, that's the question. And if I ever have him on the program, then I'll ask him that question. The Council on Foreign Affairs evidently has ties to the Federal Reserve. And of course, the Federal Reserve, and this is no conspiracy, is essentially controlling the economics of the United States. The U.S. government federal debt is, I believe, in surplus of $22 trillion right now. A wealthy country, yes. Are we safe? We have a massive military, yes. But we are a country with a major, major debt. So who are we in debt to? Right? Where does that mask, as you reveal that mask laid on uh, laid on that Federal Reserve in the Novus Ordo Seclorum, the New World Order, right? So the, so the people that, get, that engineered that or are engineering that, what does that mean? A la Deep State. Reveal that mask. Who are those stockholders in that Federal Reserve? Would it make sense that the Rockefeller Family Foundation, rather, who donated the land that the U.N. sits on, who were brought to, my understanding, to trial in federal courts, Standard Oil it was, antitrust issues, monopoly issues. Yes, they would seem to make up a large share, being shareholders of the Federal Reserve. Who are the Federal Reserves? Who are members? Who are the stockholders of the Federal Reserve? Could it could it could it possibly be that there are international stockholders in the Federal Reserve? My guess would be yes. How about how about the Queen of England? She does own about a fifth of all the land around the globe. Let's not forget the power of the British Empire. Have they masked their power? is a good question that you should be asking. Have they masked their power? And who and what makes up their power? Okay, Dean Henderson, past guest, has been on, on the program. And some of these past guests have alluded to the Vatican having interests. They are a massively wealthy organization. 
how massively wealthy are they? And does it even matter to you as an American? Are these, are these issues that you care about? Do, do you care that militaries can control your weather? This is fact. Do you care that there's a massive argument and debate about the validity of ingredients in vaccines? Do they cause autism? We're all made up biologically. We're different, aren't we? So one thing may have an effect on one person that may not have effect on another. How do you, how do you, how do you prove that one vaccine is bad? You have to look at percentages, don't you? Okay. Bob Martin suffered from, he received a flu vaccination in Canada. And he got gravely, gravely ill. Former guest on this program. Do you care about these things? Do you care that a massive community was sprayed with a toxin known as Zika? And that's, that's a classification from the European Union. The European Union classifies nail it as a neurotoxin, something that directly causes microcephaly. Yet it was developed by the Rockefeller, well, the Rockefeller majority owned company, the Chevron Chemical Corporation, back in the 1950s, 53, I mean, I believe it was. And the Rockefellers also funded the scientists that, fun, that found the Zika virus and duplicated it. In fact, they own the patent on it. You can Google it, ATCC. If you have the proper credentials, you can receive a vial of that virus, the Zika virus, Uganda Forest, Africa. Yes, the Rockefellers had a hand in both of those things. Do you, so do you, do you even care about these things? Well, if you're like me, you, you don't or you didn't because I didn't before a friend of mine urged me to look into it, and it led me to this. So where are we? 2019, episode 100. And I ask you as an American to look at those constitutional values just like Martin Luther King looked at and fought for to give rights to everyone, regardless of color, creed, ethnicity. And I urge you to do that by not taking sides politically. Look into organizations like the CFR. Look into organizations like the Trilateral Commission. Look into organizations like the Federal Reserve, because the Federal Reserve is not federal which means it doesn't represent your best interest. You, as a tax-paying citizen, it doesn't represent your interest. It represents someone else's interests. Does that matter to you? Do you care? Because if you don't, that means you lose power that is designed to give and spread to you the people. And six-term member of the U.S. House of Representatives from Georgia, Cynthia McKinney, I would assume would agree with that comment. Former guest on this program, Discussions of Truth. Kevin Ship is scheduled to join the program. Kevin Ship's a former NSA, top-level NSA employee. January 30th, Discussions of Truth will be joined by intelligence expert Melvin Goodman. He's a senior fellow at the Center for International Policy in Washington, D.C. He's the author of the widely acclaimed Whistleblower at the CIA. Mel ended his decades-long career from 1960 to 1990. That's 30 years. A la Ray McGovern at the CIA. Senior Analyst and Division Chief was his title at the CIA. As he vehemently began opposing the growing ethical ground of developing biased culture of the CIA. Has your government been infiltrated by traitors incredibly well masked under such organizations as the Federal Reserve? 
Think about it. You are a U.S. citizen, yet you don't know the members of the Federal Reserve, which is an organization that controls your economics. So if they are an international shareholder, what would they want to do with you unless they were aligned with your values? And how would you know if you don't know who they are? Could they infiltrate organizations like the CIA? Melvin strongly opposed the appointment of Robert Gates, a CIA director. Goodman charged before a Senate hearing that Gates, this is 1992, had subverted the process and ethics of the intelligence. He's an adjunct professor of international relations at John Hopkins University. And his current contributed to the publication, Rocket Man, Nuclear Madness in the Mind of Donald Trump. Do you have a madman in the White House? He's there. He's there now. He wants to build a massive wall to separate you from a beautiful country that has beautiful people that are hardworking and loving. And he wants to build a freaking wall. Excuse my language. He wants to build a wall. I've been all throughout Mexico. I love that country. Yet our trade towers were blown up by somebody who infiltrated and got into this country probably either on a boat or an airplane. They didn't have to cross that Mexican border. All right? So how important is a border? Or is it meant to be a distraction? In so much that it has shut down your government. It's no longer operating at the moment. Melbourne's 42-year government career included tours at the CIA, the Department of State, and the Department of Defense's National War College, where he was a professor of international security. His books on international security also include national insecurity, the cost of American militarism, Bush League diplomacy, how the neoconservatives are putting the world at risk, and the wars of Edward Shevardnadze. Excuse me if I mispronounced that. He's got other books, one on Gorbachev, and he's written for the Washington Post, Baltimore Sun, Foreign Policy, Harper's Magazine, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, Foreign Service Journal. He's appeared on PBS NewsHour, the Amy Goodman Show, NBC, and CBS. His lectures have included World Affairs Council and Council on Foreign Relations. See how he feels about the Council on Foreign Relations. Okay, he's joining this program January 30th. Next week, episode 101, Dr. Eric T. Karlstrom, Professor Emeritus of Geography at Cal State University, Stanislaus, will join Discussions of Truth. He's going to talk a lot about climate change and what that looks like. And... When the government opens back up, we will be hosting already scheduled chief scientist at NASA Langley, Dennis Bushnell. And Bushnell will talk about lessening our dependency on oil. Did that, did that just tie right back, right back into the Rockefeller Foundation? I believe it certainly did. They'll talk about climate change, halophase, waste and clean water, the Sahara Desert, among some other things. We will be joined by Dennis Bushnell. And just in, next month, next month, we'll be joined by British theorist and researcher. He's been on 2020 here in the States. He's been on a number of UK-produced programs. Andy Thomas will be joining us next month. So we've got an incredible slate of guests lined up, and I've got an incredible guest coming on today. She's going to shift and talk a little bit about 
the cosmetic industry, and I know that might sound odd to you, but what she brings to the program will give you a a kind of a different spin on looking at how major companies may be targeting you in a way that you don't realize they're targeting you. We'll bring Neva on right after this sound clip with former guest on the program. Scott Bennett. Um, And I'll run that clip for you right now. Now, let's go to Scott Bennett now. Scott, some observers saying that a shutdown is the result of partisan dysfunction. Do you agree? Well, uh, I think the partisan dysfunction is on the side of the Democrats because they haven't been listening to the American people. And that ultimately is always what we have to come back to. Not the experts, not the politicians, but what do the American people want? They want a secure border, they want to end human trafficking, they want to end sex slavery, and those are the predominant inputs that come from illegal aliens entering the country. They can't speak English, they have very low skills, low education, so they're doomed to a certain life of slavery, and it it ends in tremendous tragedy, and many of the time for American citizens themselves. We've seen young girls being killed while they're on jogging tracks, and other girls being shot in San Francisco, where I'm at right now. And that's not to say all immigrants are bad, they certainly aren't, but this is about what the American people want. So President Trump is, is standing by his guns, he's rising up saying, I am not going to allow uh, the American people to be endangered. I'm building a fence, I'm building a barrier, I'm building a wall, whatever you want to call it. And I think he is going to win that argument because the American people are on his side. They want their children to go to schools where they're not crowded. They want to be able to go into emergency rooms at hospitals where they don't have a two or three hour wait. They have a 10 minute wait. And that can only be done by cutting off the deluge of illegal immigrants that come into this country and that flood our communities. And also the American people do not want to happen to America what happened to Europe. They don't want to see migrants and refugees flooding up through caravans into Southwest uh, California, Arizona, New Mexico, or Texas. They're not going to put up with that, and President Trump realizes that. The Democrats' long-term strategy, of course, has been to abandon the blue dog Democrat voters in favor of the ignorant, low-skilled immigrants that come in and make them Democrats, make them slaves to serfdom and follow the traditional Democrat communist manifesto. That's always been their color. That's always been their stripe, uh, and it hasn't been abandoned. But I would love to see President Trump also pull all the military out of Afghanistan, out of Syria, and use all of that money as a military operation uh, to build a barrier, to build a wall, to build a fence, and also do a memorandum of understanding with uh, agencies like Health and Human Services, with Labor, with Bureau of Land Management, uh, in addition to state governments, and you could very easily, very quickly begin erecting a wall. And I look at it from a military perspective. So you have to stop the leak before you can re-engineer the whole piping system. So the the Mm -hmm. fence barrier is a psychological deterrent. It instantly stops people from coming across in the mass numbers that they are. And in the uh, stopping of the mass deluge, you have the room to maneuver and develop the uh, immigration systems and the protocols to better channel people into this country. And this is about the American citizens. It's not about citizens of other countries. It's about what people in this country want. And they want their schools safe, their children safe, their hospitals cleared. They want a cut in government Mm. spending. I think this is a good political move too because Donald Trump is demonstrating that the American people can live without these big federal agencies. 800,000 federal workers, guess what? 90% of them are all Democrats, so they're not in his base Mm. anyway. But he could very easily make the case that the American people and the well, American government the extreme and the American financial system racist, is better off demonization when you of shut immigrants. down all of these agencies and you don't have the you know, meddling this is in just people's what lives we hear from and Trump looking for work. And the and Trumpistas, just, just, uh, this is chaos. racist rhetoric, racist demonization going on here. 
That's what we're hearing. Oh, please, we're hearing please. that line. That's show a some respect lie. and keep your it's mouth shut lie. until this I'm finished talking. This is not your all, show, all, Mr. Becker. You go this is press on. TV. Okay. You this know, is press TV. You know, we hear, if you want to get into a debate with me, then be man enough to let me talk and then you talk. You're a weakling and a coward. You're just going on and on with the same racist line. Uh, okay. Uh, you're a fool because you're not man enough to shut your mouth mm -hmm. until the host tells me to talk and then you talk. Scott, be a man okay. and be quiet. No, let's when you have easy, your Scott. chance, then you talk. Until then, <laughs> shut your mouth. Be a you're gentleman. A be an academic. You're be a, a scholar. I've worn the uniform. Right, Scott, I've worked please, in federal let's, government. Let's you haven't. So let the host run the show, Scott not you. And Richard, uh, please, let's take it easy. No. Uh, let's go to Richard Becker. Richard. On Friday afternoon, Vice President Mike Pence met with Democratic leader Senator Chuck Schumer and also senior House Republicans uh, trying to find a solution to a logjam. Now, does the failure to find a compromise show deep-rooted rifts and differences? Well, there are certainly differences. There's no question about that. But the reality is that both uh, Pelosi and Schumer and Trump and Pence all represent the rich, the rich and the powerful in this country. They do not represent, none of them represent the people of the United States. And all this ranting from your other guest about 700,000 of the 800,000 employees are Democrat, these are just made up. And the idea that immigrants create no, uh, crime, the reality is, the reality is that immigrants and every study has shown this, commit far less violent crimes than do native-born Americans, native-born U.S. Oh. citizens. You know, right now, in the state of California, the whole agricultural industry, which is the biggest in the world, would collapse without immigrant labor. You can't get people, no matter what you pay them, you can't get people who live in the cities to go back to the farms and do farm work. It's just like you can't get them to go into mines and do coal mining. So the economy of this country is dependent upon immigrant labor. And the idea that there's a massive influx going on is just, and that they're ignorant and low-skilled, this is just, that's just pure racism and, and pure deception as well. The, the reality is that on the border there are several thousand people at the most, they say 3,000 now, the United States has a population of 330 million. Lebanon is a very small country, has four and a half million Lebanese citizens and 2.5 million refugees from Palestine and from Syria. So how does Lebanon able to get along? How does it survive with that kind of a ratio? And then we hear that a massive number of people, 6,000 or 3,000, are coming from Central America and they're gonna invade us and they're an invading force, says Trump. I mean, mm -hmm. this is just the purest kind of racist rhetoric. And it's meant to whip people into a frenzy about a problem that doesn't really exist for them. The problem for working people in the United States is not immigrant labor. The problem is the great disparity of wealth, where a tiny handful of billionaires, including Trump himself, controlled the vast wealth of this country and tens of millions of people have no health care, inadequate housing, inadequate jobs, inadequate education. But the problem is not immigrants. The problem okay. is the rich. A.K.A. Those who control the Federal Reserve. I'm calling them out right here, right now. And you should too. They control your government they control big box corporations, and they control your military. And what they have done is they have used your constitution against you. They have found loopholes to work it in their benefit. I'll be right back with Neva Thompson. This is Winwood Radio. Discussions of Truth. I'm here every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Ian Trottier. I-E-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R dot -E -E com.
and destroy seek out corruption on every level to destroy it and we are joined today with neva thompson did i pronounce your name right neva neva yeah for the third time (laughs) neva how are you thanks for joining winwood radio and discussions of truth you are a media psychologist is that correct that's correct tell listeners a little bit more about yourself Okay, well, um, my name is Dr. Neva Thompson. I am a media psychologist. A media psychologist, I guess I need to just say exactly what that is because it's so new. A lot of people don't know what that is. Yeah, I, lo- I love the title. I mean, you know, like, yes. <laughs> I love it. One of our campaigns is impeach mass media. So, so, so carry on. Okay, well, a media psychologist pretty much is the study of um, – how humans are psychologically impacted by the media. And so that's what we study. It's not that many of us, like I said, and it's fairly new, probably about 15 years maybe. And, um, but as we become more prevalent since the media has blown up so much through social media and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. And what, uh, what, what, school, what school did you get your, your PhD from? Oh, Fielding Graduate University. That's actually the only school in the United States that offers a PhD in media psychology. There's a lot of other schools that offer them master's degrees okay. in media psychology. So I got a master's degree in it, too, and actually have a counseling degree. And um, I have two masters, actually, and a PhD in media psychology. Excellent. And you're, you're calling us from Atlanta, Georgia, correct? Yes, I am in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, your classmate, we, we've had some discussion, of course, offline, and you, you want to go into uh, you want to go into uh, how corporations uh, uh, target individuals through certain media advertisements, and you've you've brought up a classmate, a project, a classmate. Uh, Shatunya Wilson and you, Dr. Shatunya Wilson and you have have worked on. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about that? Okay. Well, me and Dr. Shatunya Wilson, I actually did a research on um, anti-aging cream advertisements. Okay. And we actually looked in, um, we did a content analysis study, and we did what is called, we use language theory. Targeting women, we had a set, we had a um, an age group that we targeted. Yeah. Because of the magazines that we use, of course, at the magazines target. So we use that same age group that was targeted, which is about thirty to sixty year olds. Okay. Female women in America. Okay. And we found so the so the magazines actually that we looked at was um, Vogue, 
O magazine in style, Cosmopolitan and Allure magazine. Those are some of the magazines that we looked at. Okay, those are big publications. And, and O would be Oprah's magazine? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at those magazines, and we looked at the anti-aging advertisements okay. in those magazines, and we used what I said um, earlier about language. Right. And okay. we used a lot of words. Uh-huh. So that's what we pretty much studied in those. And like the words that was used the most that we found throughout all of the advertisements yeah. was the word smart. Interesting. Work. Mm-hmm. Smart, the word work, the word new, okay. beautiful, uh-huh. radiant, uh-huh. ageless, lines, and youthful. So those were the most, the, those were the um, words that was mostly used. And also a punctuation mark that was used a lot was a question mark. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Okay. And, and go, go ahead. ahead. Well, did you, so 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 basically, the these words are used to kind of draw attention and essentially tell tell the the uh, the prospective customer that that they, they they would be smart or become smarter by using the product, or Correct. right, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and did you look into the ingredients at all and any ad, ad, adverse effects that any of these ingredients may have, where, whereas you could counter the some of these claims. Well, no, we actually didn't look in the ingredients. We just focused on the advertisement itself and how how they get their consumers to purchase this their product. So we didn't look at basically the the ingredients in the back, if that's what you mean. No, we didn't look at yeah. the ingredients yet. But we did look at just, you know, the advertisement of what would make a, a woman between the age of 30 and 60 years old want to purchase this specific item? Right. And so, so do you think, do you think that, that this is, uh, do you think this is a fair approach? Do you, do you see any, do you see any bias in, 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 in this advertising? Do you see any kind of misadvertising possibly? Well, um, well, actually, it was some things that we did notice within the study that we did, but we didn't come out with it yet. Um, we did notice that it was more of the 30-year-olds that was wanting the anti-aging cream opposed to the 60-year-olds. Interesting. So that was, that was very interesting. And then the 20-year-olds. So we didn't do a, a mass study on the 20-year-olds, but that, those are some kind of things that you kind of find when you're doing a study, it's little things that kind of come up. Yeah. And and so um, we noticed that it was a lot of the younger age that was really prone to wanting the anti-aging, that we saw where the effect of the advertisement was working with the younger audience. And do but you, of course, go I'm ahead. Sorry. But of course that, uh, what I was gonna say is that the, you know, it's kind of hard to target that market, the 20-year-old market, because of the magazines that we use. Because those magazines that we use targets that certain age group, the 30 the 60, the 30 to 60-year-old age group. Okay. Of course, because anti-aging, um, anti-aging creams are expensive. So they, they go towards the working class and who can afford the anti-aging. Okay. But but it's also yeah but it's also drawing it's also drawing this interest from this younger crowd that's maybe kind of putting more pressure on their their physical appearance and do you think that perhaps these younger people may you know college age whatever twenties they may be be willing to 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 go into debt to buy buy these expensive products on credit just 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 to make them look smarter or be smarter or more beautiful do you, do you think that's a possibility? Oh, yeah, I mean of course because. You know, by them just saying yes, you know, to as that being one of the things that we did find, of course, you know, that they, they are wanting it. You know, I think the only thing that's making them not get it as much as the targeted audience is because of the price. But they do want that. Okay, yeah, right. And, and, and is there any, any particular reason why you chose the, the, the publications that you, that you chose? Well, we chose not specifically. We just we we came up with uh, the study that we wanted to do uh, with just 
because we realize that this is actually a huge business. Anti-aging pain is humongous. And it's also with what's going on with how, you know, beauty is just seen in the media now. So we want to do a lot of focusing on what is drawing this crowd, what is making mm-hmm. them wanting to um, buy these at such of a mass rate. And um, but it was no specific reason why we chose this, uh, these specific magazines. But we but since we use this target audience age, the subjects was, you know, the age group was 30 to 60. We just that was the magazines that was targeting a 30 to 60 year old age group. And since we wanted to do anti the advertisement of anti aging cream, you know, you wouldn't see that in like Teen Vogue or anything like that. So we had to go with the age group of where we seen most of the target audience. And and do you do you have plans to contact some of these publications with your results? Uh, we have talked about it, but this we actually wanna expand on this research. Okay, talk a little bit more about that. That that, that sounds pretty interesting. There, we're we're already planning to go. We want to actually kind of break it up to um, different races, you know, and see maybe um, what is, you know, what type, what race is wanting to um, that's buying more of it, or things like that. You know, we kind of want to instead of it being so broad, just women in general. Yeah. Want to kind of just you know kind of tame it. Yeah, and, and break it up into see what's like more race, you know. Are, are, are they putting more pressure on one certain race or economic class than others? Exactly would, would be a question, right? Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and perhaps maybe they're you know are they are they are they focusing on different areas you, uh, opposed to others? You know, like like in Atlanta or in L.A. or New York. You know, are, are they? Are is it is are are there are there cultural differences amongst amongst these women in that in that regards? Well, um, that's the thing about it. That's what we want to find out. You right. know, what is what is that's why we want to break it up like that. That's why we kind of um, want to break it up with um, instead of just women in general. Yep. Break it up to different cultures and see what is causing them to do some of the extreme measures that they are doing at such a young age because. What we what was shocking is it was the younger group. It's the younger group that's worried about, you know, anti-aging cream opposed to more of the older, more of the targeted audience. And I think the only reason that, like I said, that they haven't been able to get it or or they're not the target audience because they can't afford it. And do you you think that's purposely being driven or are they are is that younger group being targeted or do you think that's just a reflection of. Of, of, of the pressure that they were receiving from from media outlets in society? I think it's more the pressure that they're receiving from media outlets in society. Mm-hmm. I think it's more the pressure because the media pushes youthfulness, the, the words that I that I said. And, um, and when they do push those words, they don't have an age on them when they say them. You know, they don't they don't they don't have an age like I, we had a certain age that we looked at, but the media won't have a certain age that they talk about. So when they see the words youthful or hear them or see them, it's, it's pretty much about repetition. When you see a lot of repetition of something and um, it kind of it, it gets in, ingrained in your subconsciousness and it doesn't matter. You know who's saying it. It, it. it when you hear it from the media, the media is kind of very personal with you. You know what I mean? And you're able to kind of, when you hear something so much, you yeah. start believing it. And so it don't matter how old you are because they don't say, you know, after thirty you're older or after forty you're older. It just says you want to be youthful. Right. And 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 they're and they're, are they are they are they picking, are they picking various words that may be pushing some of these emotional buttons with these people to where it, you know, it makes them sensitive to, 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 you know, like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to look beautiful. That's a key word. Oh, it triggers, it triggers a certain emotion and a, and a response. Well, of course. And, and, and it's not, it's, it's, it's the, we, we have what we call, um, when you see like a celebrity on TV, 
right. something, you know, you, you actually develop what is called a parasocial relationship with them. And when you have a parasocial relationship with them, you kind of start believing what they say and feeling what they say and believing what people say about them and, and wanting to be like them. And having, you, you want it to be like them. So when the media says, this is who is beautiful, this is what they do, this is how, and they probably won't even use it ever, but, you know, they're promoting a product, the celebrity. And, you know, and that's what, um, you know, younger people see. And they want to, they want to be that because that's what the media says you're supposed to be. And that's what's, that's what's making the, that's what's making that media company money. Exactly. It's all. It's it's all. Yeah. Exactly. It's all about the money. It's the under. It's it's all about money. That's why. That's why. Even though, when I said that the twenty year olds want the age anti aging and a lot of them was purchasing it, but they're not going to be the target audience because these companies know they can't afford it. So they're not going to waste their money and put an anti aging cream in uh teen magazine or things like that just so they can try to go ask their parent or something like that and they won't have the money to buy so it's kind of they don't they don't they're not going to do that they're just going to target their audience because it's, it's all about money are any of these are any of these publications owned by like a, a larger media conglomerate have you looked into that like um these publications, well, a lot of a lot of the media things are only owned probably about seven major companies. These are all subsidiaries. Uh huh. So a lot of these things are just subsidiaries. Um, so they're feeding the they're co- feeding of, a larger Turner and things like that. Hmm, I'm they're, sorry. They're feeding a larger umbrella. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, yeah. When when you see a whole bunch of different, a lot of people think that these are different. Um, different like magazines and publications. Yeah. No, they are most of the media things is under about seven. Uh, I think they may have expanded a little more, um, more than eight. I remember it was like eight that owned everything, and it was just you know they just had different subsidiaries, and you wouldn't know that they actually owned it. Um, but it's not a whole lot of companies that own a whole bunch of different things. It's, it's just a couple of umbrellas, and they all kind of branched out from those. And and is this an American thing? Do you do you look at at other countries? Do you compare statistics with other countries? Is this specifically a, a an American empirical uh, a, a, a cosmetic vein issue, or, or is, are you seeing no. this? Go ahead, yeah. No, it's not just American. Mm-mm. It's, it's a all. human race issue. Mm-hmm. It's a human race issue because because advertisement is everywhere. Right. It's not just in America. And so it's, it's everywhere. And so when the advertisement tells you that's beautiful, well, then you got to live up to the status uh, quo of what they're saying is beautiful. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's and it's hard trying to keep up with something that's always evolving. And media always evolve. And it's hard keeping up with that. And so, you know, people will go into debt because media is trendy. Right. And so okay. people will go into debt and people will do a lot of these extreme things because it's what's in right now, because that's what the media is pushing, because that's what's making the money and that's what's, you know, um, uh, that's what they targeting. You know, when something comes up big, they just keep pushing it, and they'll push it, and then it changes, just like any other trend. Media evolves. Well said. Well said. Um, any takeaways? Any 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 last words? Uh, point listeners to websites, uh, studies they should be looking at. Um, what are some takeaways that that, that listener you'd like listeners to to to, to take away? Well, the ta- one takeaway that I want listeners to really grasp is when you want to go buy something and you want to um, spend your last dime or you think that this is how you're supposed to be, just take a step back for a minute, you know, take a step back, really kind of reevaluate things and just look at it like, 
society changes and don't just jump to whatever's trendy and i think that's that's a big takeaway if if we don't jump to what's so trendy so fast then it's okay to be yourself you're gonna realize it's okay to be yourself because everything comes back full circle maybe it's okay to age gracefully and not and not be dependent on age gracefully because like you know because sooner or later all the um you know the uh uh the facial surgeries and all of that, all of that is, is going to go away one day. And then people just going to want to be back themselves. And then, then, but then you stuck with all, all whole bunch of stuff that you've done and you can't take it back. So just, I think if you, people would just step away for just a minute and then just kind of reevaluate and say, do I want to do this or is the media telling me to do this? And then I think when you do that, then you could then you can come out like okay then you start knowing yourself a little better and kind of saying well i'm not going to do what they tell me just because they tell me to do it you know i'm just learn a little bit from myself you know i like myself excellent excellent yeah. do you have a, a website or, or or uh some some type of uh, uh destination on the web that you'd like listeners to go to well i just have a contact right now um my contact email address is um, contact at media, M-E-D-I-A-P-S-Y-T-E-C-H dot com or Dr. Neva T at media site tech dot com. Excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Neva Thompson. Neva, thanks for joining Discussing Your Truth. Uh, we look forward to, uh, to further communication with you. Thank you so much. Dr. Neva Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we thank her for the research that she is dedicating her time to. And uh, look, you know, she she says it very well. She says it very well. The media wants you. These these different companies that that that, that they, 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 they they the bottom line for them is is making money, right? And so they want you to buy their products. And look at the look at the larger umbrella to see where some of these. Some of these companies are feeding their messages from. Be right back with closing comments. Destroy Andy Thomas joined the program February 20th, one of Britain's most prolific authors and lecturers. Truthagenda.org is his website. The site gives news and information on Andy and his work, including his live presentation and details of his book, including the acclaimed 
the truth agenda. And of course, he goes into conspiracies. Both available in a number of editions around the world, goes straight to About Andy for a biography, events for upcoming talks, and lecture details on his website. He's been on a number of UK shows, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's been on 2020. We will bring chief scientist at NASA Langley on to program. We are waiting for the current commander-in-chief to reopen his government. And recent news out is that Nancy Pelosi has some stern words for the Donald. Look, I urge you not to take sides politically. I'm not saying don't have values and morals. But the corruption in this country from everything that I've been able to see, runs very deep. And that is reflected by the professional, scholarly, and academic credibility of the guests that join and have joined this program. Dr. Craig Roberts, for example, said right here on Winwood Radio, Ian, you no longer have constitutional rights. That coming from a leading economic mind globally. You no longer have constitutional rights. Well, I will keep doing what I'm doing for as long as I can and as long as we have freedom of speech. But it is time for Americans to stand up and take a stand. And don't point fingers at your Republican Party. Don't point fingers at your Green Party. Don't point fingers at your Democratic Party. And the end of the day, we all lay our head down on our pillow. Hopefully we have one. Many of us don't. The majority obviously do. As Americans, we are all Americans and we all, we hope, want peace, justice, liberty, freedom for all human beings. Globally. And if we can do our part, let us press forward. But we cannot do that divided. We must do that united under our constitutional rights. So if you insert the opinion from a leading global economic mind that we don't have any constitutional rights. And this is a man that served under the Reagan administration. This is a man that's traveled the world lecturing on economics. In fact, I believe he's a former uh, professor at Stanford. Dr. Craig, Craig Roberts, Google him. Join this program here and said no longer, Ian, you no longer have constitutional rights. Won't tell. I am told that I can no longer speak as I'm doing so right now. I will continue doing this, just this, and to bring you messages like Dr. Thompson to help you question, question your media, question your advertising, question how you're spending your money and who you're giving it to. Next week, joined by Eric Carlstrom. This has been your Wednesday edition of Discussion to Truth, number 100. And I'll be right back here next Wednesday, 
5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. And until then, be awesome. Seek and destroy. 